Welcome to the Find the Good Mamahood podcast. I'm Caitlin Carpio-Futchner, and I'm so excited to spend some time with you. This is a place where I talk with other mamas about their favorite tips, tricks, and resources, and also celebrate the joys of mamahood by sharing real stories and experiences. New moms, veteran moms, moms-to-be, this podcast is for you. I hope our honest chats about the highs and lows of mamahood help you find joy wherever you are in your journey. I am so glad you're here. Hello, everyone. We have a special episode for you today. I'm here with my friend, Ashley Marsh, and she's joining us from Texas as spring approaches and we're just getting ready to kind of come out of hibernation, stretch our legs, be outside more. Um, maybe some of you are thinking like me about getting more active and about our bodies, just taking care of our bodies better. I know I've been trying to eat better and just think about ways that I can, you know, working from home all the time and being just having a sedentary work style, um, looking for ways to take care of my body. So this episode may be just right for you. If you're one of those people, um, today we'll be talking about taking care of our bodies as moms. Um, sometimes I feel like we have this unspoken responsibility of like heavy lifting and um, taking care of our kids in ways that we didn't expect when we're picking them up and we're doing the laundry and we're um, burping babies and we're just using our wrists and our muscles um, in different ways than we had to before. Um, and sometimes exhaustively um, to the point of pain or problems. And I never knew that this was a thing until I became a mom myself and started lifting up this baby who got, got heavier every single time and things like that. So I'm excited to chat with Ashley. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be able to be here and share a little bit more with you guys about how we as moms can just keep going. Uh, I feel like that's definitely one of the things that's um, that's most challenging about motherhood is, you know, how do we how do we prioritize taking care of ourselves so that we can keep taking care of everybody that we're responsible for and our kids and our house and ourselves and our husband and just balancing all that can be can be tricky for sure. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us all about yourself, your kids and your job and what you like to do for fun. Sure. So um, I'm Ashley. My husband, Christopher, and I have been married for seven years. Yes, <laughs> seven and a half years. Um, I, I had to like do math there for a second and make sure mm -hmm. I was right. Yeah, so about seven and a half years. And um, we um, have three beautiful children, um, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and an 18-month-old. Um, so life has been busy for us since day one um, and mamahood has been part of our lives together and well parenthood in general but mamahood has been a part of my married life um, since pretty early on um, we were about six months into marriage when we found out we were expecting our oldest and um, he came along as a little bit of a surprise um, and by that, I mean, it was completely unplanned and unexpected. Um, God knew what he was doing, but um, Henry was actually born um, in the middle of me doing graduate school, which was kind of crazy. So um, for those of you who don't know me, I am a physical therapist. Um, I have a doctorate in physical therapy, and I have been working as a physical therapist for the last five and a half years. And I work in pediatrics, which is a really fun um area of physical therapy that gets me really uniquely involved in the lives of kids, but also in the lives of parents. And um, that's given me some really unique opportunities to um, help parents and especially new moms to um, just to like give them some encouragement and, you know, come in from a place of like educating them on, you know, some things they can do to help themselves as well as um, you know, just ways to help their baby with whatever is going on. Um, and I treat all the way from birth to 21. So I have quite a <laughs> wide range that, um, that I have had experiences with, um, which has been a really fun 
interesting to um, to just learn about different stages of development and different stages of, um, you know, kind of what kiddos should be doing at different times and how mm-hmm. um, how to help kiddos that are having difficulty with that to meet their goals. So that's just a little bit about me. Um, and I, let's see, what do I do for fun? Um, I like to read. Um, which is something that I do not get enough time to do by any stretch. Um, I have a stack of books on my nightstand that um, I sort of look at longingly every day. And I'm like, oh, one day I'll actually open it up and read it. Um, I usually can get through about three or four pages at a time before somebody comes in asking me, mama, I need something. Um, which is, you know, I think pretty typical of, of motherhood and um, definitely motherhood of three kids under the age of six. So, um, mm-hmm. if you, if you have young kids, then you totally get where I'm coming from there. Um, so reading is definitely a big hobby and passion of mine. And then I also like, um, sort of arts and crafty type things. Um, I go through seasons and phases of different things. Um, I've done everything from scrapbooking and card making to, um, like trying to learn cross stitching. That's probably the one that I failed the most spectacularly at and gave up pretty quickly. Um, and then I do love to like knit and crochet. Um, so I'm actually currently almost finished with making my daughter's baby blanket, um, which I'm going to tell on myself a little bit here, both of my boys. So my six year old and my 18 month old, their blankets were made while I was pregnant with them. Um, mm. but while I was pregnant with my daughter, it just didn't happen. We were in a very trans transitiony season and um, I did not get her blanket made while she was still growing mm-hmm. in, um, in my belly. And so um, she's four now and I'm almost <laughs> done with her blanket. Um, in my defense, I bought the yarn when I was pregnant with hers and I didn't actually start the blanket until um, last fall. So it's only taken me like six months to finish it, not four years, but um <laughs> Nice. In reality, it, yeah. So, telling on myself a little bit there, but um, I love I love creating um and and making things and um that's been a fun adventure for sure. So yeah, that's a little about me. So, if you work with kids, you know, and you probably nerd out about development at each stage and all this, do you experiment on your kids? <laughs> like, are you observing them every part of the day? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, in fact. My my youngest um, is 18 months old, and he started walking at uh, between nine nine and 10 months, which is definitely on the early side for walking. And mm-hmm. all my friends were like, did you PT him? And I'm like, no, I just <laughs> sat his butt on the floor because he's a third kid. And so he didn't have, like, I didn't have time to be, like, PTing <laughs> him. I just sat his backside on the floor, and he figured it out. Um <laughs> But yes, I definitely, um, I, I use my own kiddos often as examples of um, sort of the variation in development. Um, my four-year-old daughter still doesn't like to go down the stairs with a mature pattern, and I get onto her about it all the time, and I have to take <laughs> off my PT hat and put on my mom hat and be like, okay, you know, if I was talking to another parent about this, would I be as hard on her as I am being on my own daughter? And um <laughs> you know, realizing like, okay, it's fine. Like she doesn't really lack the strength. She's just a little nervous about, Mm. you know, being able to go down the stairs with one foot on each step. She's capable of doing it. She just doesn't like to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to take, take my PT hat off sometimes and, um, stop making (laughs) my kids guinea pigs. Um, but yes, there's definitely been like plenty of times, especially when they were younger babies where I would try out a new handling technique on them or, um, (laughs) you know, try, try when I, especially when I was first starting and was learning all the stretches for torticollis, which is a condition where babies have a shortened neck muscle and mm. oftentimes will end up with like a flat spot on one side of their head. Um, when I was first learning about that condition and kind of learning about how to treat it, I remember when Henry was a baby, I would just like hold him in all these different weird ways to like practice where my hands went and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, yes. My kids have been guinea pigs on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. Do you end up talking about it all the time or like, I don't know, bringing it into your daily life, like when you guys go outside or when you, you know, are around the house? Yeah, definitely. And I feel like I for sure have to like 
kind of bite my tongue when I'm around my friends' kids too, <laughs> um, because I'm like, okay, I don't need to be sitting here and like, you know, critiquing everybody's movement patterns. Um, but I will say, being a physical therapist has like ruined my ability to go to public places because I analyze <laughs> the way that everybody walks. <laughs> I'll like see somebody walk by and I'll be like, oh, you have right-sided hip weakness, or oh, you you probably sprained an ankle at some point in your life. And, like, I can tell just by looking at people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if they have a bad knee or whatever, like, you can I'm, – <laughs> I'm trained to look for those things. My eyes naturally kind of catch mm-hmm. any sort of deviation from typical. And um, it definitely definitely makes going out with me probably less fun because <laughs> I'm, I'm always analyzing stuff. But I think my husband appreciates that he kind of sees it as a party trick and – Sometimes he'll, well, he'll notice something. Yeah. Like, if it's bad enough, he'll notice something and be like, so what's wrong with that person? And I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and analyze other people. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but you noticed, didn't you? And I was like, of course I noticed. Yeah. yeah. Are there any, I don't know. I don't know why I'm imagining like an exercise routine. Like we're going to like bike ride or like do stretches outside or like, is there something that you've put into your like routine with the kids um so I definitely did that during COVID when (laughs) the pandemic first hit and um everything just screeched to a grinding halt um I started making my kids like do a workout with me every day um (laughs) and that's actually like one of my best tips for moms to like keep yourself moving is to like get your kids involved in whatever exercise you're doing (laughs) um I'm a huge proponent of like family walks. Um, that's something that we've encouraged, like incorporated into our routine. Um, as a family, we typically take a walk um, in the evenings after dinner before bedtime. Um, and that's a great, a great thing for just getting all of us moving, especially because um, on the days that I'm working from home, I'm usually pretty sedentary unless I'm chasing around the toddler, um, which is <laughs> definitely keeps me, keeps me moving. Um, but just that walk is a really good way for my kids to get out some energy before they go to bed and um, for my husband and I just to have a few minutes to connect at the end of the day and um, it's been something that we all really value a lot um, and something we haven't been super consistent about through the winter but we're starting to pick back up with it as the weather is getting a little bit nicer and as it's staying like light enough outside to be able to do that mm-hmm. um, for a while there it definitely was you know, when it gets dark at 5 p.m., it's really hard to <laughs> do an after-dinner walk. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I incorporating just getting the whole family moving, um, getting our whole family, um, going to the park after we pick up our kids from school, um, and just, you know, getting them moving. But I don't, I, I don't do a whole lot of, like, prescribed fitness for them in terms of, like, you're going to do this this many times. Um, <laughs> it's it's funny you would think I would be more that way but my husband is actually more that way no um, way with them yeah and I I think it comes down to like his so he's an eagle scout so he has all this like boy scout experience of of being like okay we're gonna like do things in a very like scheduled prescribed kind of way um Mm. and so when especially when our six-year-old who's our our oldest boy um has some extra energy that he needs to get out and is um choosing not to be obedient because of how much energy he has to get out Hmm. um he frequently will have a consequence slash redirection (laughs) of okay you're gonna do you know 20 jumping jacks since you can't sit still you can stand up and do 20 jumping jacks then okay now you can do five push-ups okay now you can do 10 squats now you can do you know and he'll he'll put them through through the paces so to speak to kind of get some get some focus back and um it's pretty funny to watch him do it actually because he really does like he goes all out and and really you know our the six-year-old goes all out and is really um dedicated and I'm like okay I wish I could bottle up your energy mm-hmm. and store some away for later um that's but yeah, awesome it's funny that my my husband actually does that more than more frequently than I do mm-hmm. you compliment each other well in that yeah. way for sure. I'd love to hear more about your job and like how you got into it. I guess your career. Um, can you share a little bit about how you got into physical therapy and then like your favorite parts of the field, your favorite parts of your current job? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I um, decided that I wanted to be a physical therapist when I was 15. I was looking into different medical career fields, um, thought for a while that I wanted to be a nurse practitioner, but mm. I really don't handle needles well. Um, <laughs> and nurse practitioners do have to give people shots on a fairly regular basis. And so I was just like, hmm, I don't really think that's totally for me. Um, and in my family growing up, I had five siblings that were adopted through the foster care system. And three of them had varying levels of physical and special needs where they needed um, intervention from physical therapists, occupational therapists, and speech therapists. And so mm. I spent many years of my life in therapy waiting rooms and <laughs> in the hallways outside of these gyms filled with all this fun play equipment and ball pits and tunnels to crawl through and all this fun stuff. And um, as I got older, I was like, man, like, I really want a job where I can just, like, play, and I love kids, and I love, <laughs> um, I love getting to, um, and that I always have, I've always loved, you know, babysitting, and, and just, like, being around kids, and being able to see, um, the unique way that they see the world, and, um, so kind of through that search, I ended up, um, landing in kind of this realm of, oh, okay, I could, like, be a therapist, and then, um, was really drawn to physical therapy because I love I love the combination of um, sort of art and science that physical therapy incorporates um, mm. because there is there's a bit of you have to understand the the basic mechanics right you have to understand how the joints move you have to understand how the muscles pull you have to understand how um, you know, the neuroscience behind how the brain controls the body, which mm. nobody actually completely understands that, but to the degree <laughs> that which it's possible to understand that, um, you know, you have, you have to have that, those foundational pieces, but then everyone is so unique and everybody's body moves just a little bit differently. And then when mm. you put pathologies and, you know, sort of functioning that's outside of the typical bounds on top of, that sort of basic like here's typical um when you put things that are outside of that typical on top of that then you get this puzzle to solve um and this this sort of very creative thing that becomes how do I use these skills that I that I know in general in a specifically applied way that also takes into account this patient's unique family, unique psychosocial factors, unique environmental factors, and mm. their own motivations and desires. And those things are completely different when you're talking about a six-month-old baby or a six-year-old kid or a 60-year-old grandma who just had a total knee replacement. Mm -hmm. um, and physical therapy just kind of encapsulates all of those things um, in a really, really unique way. And so that's sort of what got me into the field in the first place. Um, and I knew going into PT school that I probably wanted to work in pediatrics. Um, I, I, again, like I've always loved kids. And, and as I went through PT school, the things that got me the most excited about practicing as a physical therapist were the things that where we were talking about, you know, issues with the neurologic system, issues with development, um, you know, issues with, you know, any kind of, you know, kiddos who just aren't functioning typically, but you can't figure out why. Um, those were the things that got me the most interested and the most excited during PT school. And when I graduated from PT school, um, I had done clinical experiences in pediatrics, in a hospital, in an outpatient orthopedic environment, um, and then in an inpatient rehab. And so I had seen patients all across the lifespan um, and actually of all my rotations my pediatric rotation was my least favorite um, <laughs> it was really really challenging for me um, the people that I was um, learning under didn't quite know what to do with me because they hadn't ever had a student before who wasn't at the end of their clinical experiences and it was my very first clinical experience so instead of having a year of 
practicing what it looked like to be a physical therapist under the guidance of somebody who already was licensed, it was my first shot out the door. Um, and that was really challenging for me because I, I had a difficult time kind of transitioning out of the classroom environment into the clinical environment and hmm. sort of being expected to have like an extra level of knowledge, which pediatrics is, um, is definitely an area where everything gets kind of, it's like taking these big, broad concepts that apply and sort of flipping them on their head a little bit because when you're talking about adult rehab of any adult, whether it's a neurological rehab, an orthopedic rehab, whatever it is, if there's an adult who sustained an injury, whether that's an external injury or an internal injury, like a stroke or something like that, you're talking about rehabilitating a system that already knew how to do a skill. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about pediatrics, you're talking about developing a skill in an impaired environment where the skill hasn't already been established. Um, and that's something that's like really requires a different level of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that initial clinical education was just really challenging for me. Um, and I wasn't sure that pediatrics was where I was supposed to be. I had a bunch of self-doubt about that. And so when I first graduated, I didn't even look for a pediatric job. It was like, I don't even mm. want to be in it. I want to do something completely different. Um, and so I ended up working for um, a company that did geriatric care, but in patients' homes. So we mm-hmm. build as if we were an outpatient clinic, um, but did it in clients' homes. So we were an outpatient clinic on wheels, um, Mm -hmm. which was a phenomenal experience for me. I got a lot of, um, a lot of skill in just sort of confidence and my own autonomy as a therapist and kind of getting my feet under me a little bit. And nine months into doing that, I got a postcard in the mail from a pediatric clinic that was looking for physical therapists. And Mm -hmm. I almost threw it away. (laughs) <laughs> because I was so convinced that that my clinical rotation was God just closing that door of this isn't what you're supposed to do. This isn't where you're supposed to be. You can help people in another area. Um, and I left it on my desk for a couple of days and my husband saw it and was like, you're applying for this, right? Um, and I was like, no, actually, I was just going to throw it away. I really don't think I should. I love my job now. I love this company I'm working for. It's really flexible. It's all the things I want. Um, but I, I, like, I don't, I don't really want to do it. And he was like, no, you're going to apply for this. Um, and I applied and went in for the interview and in the middle of interviewing, um, got a call that my grandfather had passed away. Left the interview in the middle of the interview, um, but apparently had done well enough in the first half of the interview that they invited me to come back Mm. and finish the interview. So I went back two weeks later and finished the interview, and they offered me the position and worked there as a staff therapist for a year. And then my boss left and um, to semi-retire and work in early childhood intervention, and she told me I should apply for her job. (laughs) And I looked at her like she had lost all of her marbles because I had only been there actually at the time that she told me she was leaving. I had only been there for 11 months. I had not even been there for a full year Mm. Um, and literally was like, there's no way there's like, I am not cut out to be a manager. Like I don't have the experience. I don't have the (laughs) know-how. And she was like, okay, but you should apply anyway. And I was like, no, no way. Um, and about three weeks later, I hadn't applied for her position. Her boss reached out to me and was like, can you please apply for this? We would really like to consider you. Oh my God. And I was like, okay, well, if the VP of outpatient for the whole company is going to call me and tell me that I need to apply for this (laughs) job, then I better get my application in. So I applied for the job, interviewed with the VP of outpatient. And, um, on my one year anniversary with the company was promoted into a clinical manager role there. And then worked there for another two years as the clinical manager and saw the clinic through Mm -hmm. uh, the COVID closure and reopening and um, made all of the plans for moving them into a new space and left to move to Texas two weeks (laughs) before they actually got to move. 
um, which I probably will never live down from my coworkers. But um, it was such a growing experience for me to be in that pediatric clinic and to work um, alongside therapists from other disciplines and to be able to just grow as a therapist and as a person. And then um, when we moved here to Texas, I um, transitioned into working for a home health company, um, but specifically a pediatric home health company. So still in the realm of pediatrics, bringing kind of all those skills that I'd gleaned from the outpatient pediatric Mm -hmm. clinic into this home health environment. And I started off working um, just two days a week as a part-time clinician and um, wanting to really just be able to be home more and be home with my kiddos um, more. I really hadn't gotten to spend a whole lot of time um, at home with them aside from um, maternity leave. That was the only time I had really... um, been home and after Henry was born I only took off like three weeks and then was back in class and Mm. after Lizzie was born I took off for six weeks and then was back to work and um after William was born I was off for like 10 weeks and then back to work but (laughs) still just had never been able to kind of have the opportunity to be home really during the day with them aside from you know the vacation weeks Um, So I really wanted to be able to make that work as we transitioned to being in Texas and um, Christopher's school situation was kind of shifting around a little bit. And so we were able to make that work. And um, so I did that for about six months. And then um, my boss reached out to me and was like, hey, we have this position that's Mm -hmm. open as a clinical manager um, with, you know, with Angels of Care, which is the company I work for. And Mm we'd really like you to consider applying. And um, so I asked her a little bit more about it and she was like, yeah, it's essentially working the same number of treatment hours that you're working right now. And then the rest of it is work from home management duties. And I was like, I didn't know that existed in the rehab world. (laughs) Um, Also definitely did not know that it existed in the pediatric rehab world. Mm. Um, in a way that would make it possible for me to be able to pick my daughter up from school three days a week. And um, Mm -hmm. she's in half day preschool. So being able to pick her up from school three days a week and then, you know, be home with my 18 month old and I schedule um, interviews around nap time and, um, you know, things that I need to be on the phone for happen either during nap time or with, distractions as as needed throughout the day um we have some wonderful neighbors that I send him down the hall to do play dates with sometimes I'm like hey I just need 45 minutes to be on the phone can he come play and then <laughs> I take their kids for 45 minutes or an hour it's it's great to have that have that community um here we live on campus at the seminary that my husband's attending and so it's a really beautiful way to do life together with other people um but it's been such a unique um and just God ordained season of being able to be home with my kids, but also working full time and, um, you know, being able to just kind of manage that in a way that has been a little bit challenging um, just to kind of get it under my belt. I've been doing it for about two and a half months now. So I'm, I'm mm. kind of getting into the swing of things, you know, more as, as, as they transition more and more of my job duties to me as I get trained on different things. Um, mm-hmm. it's been a really, really good, uh, sort of just growth into the role, um, which has been so nice because it hasn't been like, okay, you're going to just do it all right away. It's been like, okay, we're going to give you this. And then in two weeks, you're going to start doing this. And then in two weeks, mm-hmm. okay, now you're going to start doing this. And, um, it's been a really nice kind of gradual build into all of the things that are my job duties. Um, when I first started doing it, I was kind of like, like, don't feel like I'm like, I'm paying me to work full time but I don't feel like I'm doing all the things I need to be doing now I feel like I'm doing all the things I need to be doing which is a a good place to be in to kind of you know feel like I have the fullness of that under my belt um but I love it I love getting to be able to you know work and and do something that I'm really really good at and really Mm -hmm. love doing um you know on the days that I'm out in the field treating patients and and I've found that I really like the management stuff too um I Mm -hmm. like being able to encourage people and support them and 
um, you know, help clinicians to grow and, you know, be better at what they're doing and, you know, gain skills that they didn't have before. That stuff is really fun for me too. So I'm liking all of the aspects of it, which is really fun. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool combination and such a blessing that you get to be home for some of that. Um, and then it works well with your family. And it really just sounds like you're like incredibly good at your job. <laughs> like everybody wants you and everybody wants you to, you know, take on more in their in their practice because you do so well. So that's so cool. Well, I don't want to make it sound like I'm bragging at all because it is a hundred percent always been God just opening the doors that he wants us to walk through. And, um, a lot of, in all of the situations, it has been me sitting here and going, I don't really want to do that. God <laughs> right. being like, this is what you're going to do. And so, yeah. um, it's definitely been an exercise in trust and just in relying on the Lord to provide, um, when and how he chooses to. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I love how you're using your gifts and growing new gifts too. So Dr. Mrs. Marsh, as you like to call yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did not come up with that one. Oh, no um, way. No. Yeah. So a little, a little backstory. Um, so <laughs> Dr. Mrs. Marsh is my like email handle. And then also like is my handle on like Instagram and stuff. Cause it's easy to remember and I can just keep it across all platforms. But um, I actually have a dear, dear friend who started the Dr. Mrs. Marsh. Um, <laughs> when my husband and I got engaged, she actually knew, really long story, but she met my husband through, like, they worked together at Chick-fil-A. And she, like, was becoming friends with my husband through their work right at the same time that Christopher and I were, like, just starting to date. So she knew of me and knew us like as an us um so she didn't like she didn't know Christopher before he was dating me but she kind of like knows me through him anyway um and now she's one of my dearest friends she's an incredible person but she's the one who came up with Dr. Mrs. Marsh and she actually <laughs> the full version is Dr. Mrs. Mama Ashley Lindsay Marsh which is like the full <laughs> um but yeah yes. Dr. Mrs. Marsh was the was adopted as the official like when I had to switch my email address when I got married and couldn't be Ashley Lindsay, whatever the numbers were anymore, that was that was where that came from. So anyway, a, a slight deviation. But yes, I am I am technically doctor. I don't use it as a like mm -hmm. actual title for anything, um, because it gets confusing. But yes, I am I am officially right. Dr. Ashley Marsh. So Dr. Marsh, um, I want you to tell us all your knowledge and all your experiences about, yeah, just like, how do we care for our body as moms? And, you know, it looks so different when they're newborns, toddlers, older, you know, like you mentioned, yeah. technically children or children until they're 18 or 21 or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So they are still developing for a while, but I guess our physical care for them, you know, is limited and does change over the years that they're kind of dependent on us. And for me, it's actually a new subject. Like I mentioned at the beginning, I didn't realize that these little babies or little children can actually potentially damage an adult body. Like it just, it okay. never occurred to me. Um, but it actually happened to me a little bit, like when I started picking him up and, um, started getting wrist pain and started looking into it and then started hearing these other stories. Like I think a friend of mine, mm -hmm. super young woman, healthy um, mom, I think she got carpal tunnel um, just from picking up her baby who was nice and chubby and healthy. And I, I was like, wait, what? Like, you know, people are wearing wrist braces for, for just caring for their kids. So this is a new topic to me, not new to you, but maybe new to some of our listeners. Um, so can you just share about some of those things and what we can do? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, there's definitely, um, a lot of things that can kind of fall within this realm. So, I want to talk about, um, I think, three that I thought of. Um, so the first one is the changes that happen in our body during pregnancy itself. And then the second one being changes that happen postpartum. And then the third one being like overuse 
injuries and how to sort of prevent and address those things. So the first thing I want to talk about is like how our bodies change during pregnancy. And if you've had kids, then none of this is going to come as a super shocker to you. Um, (laughs) But if you're an expectant mama or you hope to be one day, um, hopefully this education can help kind of prepare you a little bit. Um, Our bodies go through so many incredible changes um, to make room for a growing baby. Mm. And one of the biggest ones that happens is there's actually um, a hormone that's called relaxin that actually changes the flexibility of all of your ligaments in your body. Um, So our ligaments connect bone directly to bone. So there's no muscle involved. There's nothing that we can do to strengthen our ligaments because there isn't any muscle in there that we can move to strengthen. We can strengthen tendons because they're attached to muscles. So tendons connect muscle to bone, ligaments connect bone to bone. So you can't strengthen a ligament. It is what it is. Um, and when our bodies are just doused in relaxin during <laughs> pregnancy, um, what happens is we can't change that ligamentous structure. But what we can do is we can be smart about how we're moving and what positions we're like sitting in to help sort of control and stabilize. Um And we can do that in two ways. We can do that through like internal support, which is like strengthening the muscles, Mm. which are not going to change the ligament structure, but can help take some of the weight off of those ligaments a little bit. Um, So some of the biggest ways that we can do that are things like um, making sure that we're keeping our hip muscles moving and nice and strong. Um, So I know for me, actually, when I was pregnant with our third, I had some pretty severe um, pelvic um, pain that I was like, I don't know what to do with this. And I'm a physical therapist. (laughs) I basically just knew something was wrong. Um, So I ended up going to see a pelvic floor physical therapist, which if you are an expectant mama or you even if you've had kids in the past, I'll talk a little bit more about this when we get to the postpartum section, but um, like during pregnancy, I ended up going to see a pelvic floor specialist and um, she was able to help me get so much more mobility and so much less pain um, just by working on some of my hip strength. Um, So Hmm. I didn't even really do a whole lot. I did some abdominal strengthening in terms of just kind of finding my abdominal muscles while I was pregnant, which is pretty tricky. Um, (laughs) But, but just strengthening up my hips was able to help take some of the pressure and the weight off of my pelvis where the ligaments in my pelvis were really doing a ton of the work that they didn't need to be doing because Mm. my hip muscles were weak. Um, probably because I was having my third kid in five years. Um, and so that was, you know, definitely impacting my overall strength. Um, mm. But if you are having any kind of pain or discomfort, and not that pregnancy is like really comfortable, but if you're having pain that's consistent, talk to your doctor about going to see a physical therapist, um, either one that specializes in pelvic floor or one that specializes in like maternity stuff. Um, a lot of times there are like women's health certified physical therapists out there that can Mm. make a big difference. There are also some chiropractors who specialize in prenatal chiropractic. Um, and that can be something that's really helpful as well. Um, my only sort of word of caution with chiropractors is do your research and find somebody who is incorporating both like manipulation, which is the actual like kind of snap, crackle, pop part of chiropractic and some kind of like strengthening exercise activity that you do with it. And even if you don't do those things every time you're in the office, that they're giving you some things to work on um, to help strengthen things up. Because in general, and that that's kind of like my PT chiropractor soapbox, <laughs> PTs and chiropractors sometimes get into it a little bit. I think they should be a lot more complimentary than they usually are out in the world. Um, because I really do think in a lot of ways they the end goal is the same, right? Better movement and better function for our 
our patients. Um, but some chiropractors are quick to snap, crackle, pop, and send you on your way. Um, whereas mm. you really need both a combination of the mobility and then stability. And the stability yeah. comes from your muscles. So if you're not retraining those muscles, you're just going to end up needing to be snap, crackle, pops again. Um, mm-hmm which is a lot of times why chiropractors kind of have that revolving door of patients and they can be super helpful and they can help with immediate pain relief, but you have to do something to strengthen or to stabilize those muscles that are keeping your joints in place. And so um, that's, that's kind of my advice to expectant mamas is if you're having any kind of pain or discomfort, that seems like this just kind of is outside the bounds of what I would expect from, okay, you know, yes, your feet are going to get swollen. They're going to get tired, you know, <laughs> you're, you're probably going to have a little bit of low back pain and a little bit of discomfort there. You might have trouble sleeping because your belly is huge. But, um, you know, if you have pain that's really like localized or pain that's really persistent and disrupting your ability to function, that's when you want to talk to your doctor about getting some help. And then for mama's postpartum, same kind of thing applies. Your body has just been through an absolute miracle (laughs) but has changed so much and it does not just flip a switch and go back to normal like it can take a year or two for everything to kind of get back in place and how you treat your body in that first year or two postpartum makes a huge difference in your like overall longevity of how those muscles and joints and ligaments function Mm -hmm. because like we I said earlier those muscles have all had to compensate for these loose ligaments, right? So when your ligaments all get really, really relaxed from the <laughs> relaxant, which I think is just so appropriately named, when your <laughs> ligaments get really loose and your joints have to kind of shift around, something still has to hold your body together. And right mm-hmm. your, your ligaments don't like crumble and fall apart. They just loosen. <laughs> but the muscles have to keep your body together. So a lot mm-hmm. of times people will actually end up with muscles that are spasming postpartum um, and especially some of those pelvic floor muscles can get that way because they've been carrying a weight that they're not used to carrying for a long time right while that baby is growing especially in the second and third trimester I mean you could spend six months with a heavier load than is normal through those pelvic floor muscles so a lot of times people end up with with spasm through those muscles um, same thing can happen with hip muscles low back muscles all that kind of stuff um, one of my best pieces of advice for postpartum is to find a good routine that works for you of a combination of flexibility and strengthening. Um, so I love, um, there's a YouTuber, I will look up her name and send <laughs> it to Caitlin and she can put it in the show notes for today because I don't remember her name off the top of my head. I follow her channel, but I I don't remember what her name is. It starts with a C, but I can't remember what it is. So anyway, um, but she's a Christian yoga instructor. Um, I really like her. Her yoga practices are, are great. Um, but that combination of flexibility and strength um, and starting really slow um, from a place where you're sort of rebuilding stability Um, is a huge thing that can be really helpful in that kind of postpartum period. Also in that first like couple years postpartum, especially in the first like six months, um, keeping things just with body weight, like don't try to be lifting any weights or anything like that. Um, You can obviously like pick up your baby and like lift weights around the house and stuff like that. Um, But recognizing that your body has been through I think is important. And I think a lot of times we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as moms to like get right back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but giving your body the chance to heal. Um, and then overall, um, that that piece of advice in particular is for moms who are just kind of at a at a baseline level of fitness where like if you were a Olympic athlete before you got pregnant, then you can probably lift weights sooner than somebody who just casually jogged a couple of times a week. Um, so typically within about three months after you've had baby, you can get back to sort of your baseline level of fitness. Um, but keeping in mind that your body has been through a lot. So just giving yourself, 
you know, extra time and don't feel like you're abnormal or outside the bounds of um, sort of like, I should be able to blah, blah, blah by now. If you're a year, 18 months, like I'm 18 months postpartum with my youngest and there's still days where I'm like, my hips just feel weird. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably because they're weak. And so <laughs> then I do some hip exercises for, you know, three or four weeks. And then I'm like, okay, I feel better. And then I'm like, oh, I should probably do some more now. Um, but just giving yourself some grace as you kind of transition into, you know, life again. And if you're like me and you have three kids in five years, take it nice and slow after the <laughs> third one. Um, but that's, that's just kind of some overarching advice. And then in general, um, in terms of like overuse injuries. So I know Caitlin, you talked about like carpal tunnel or having like thumb pain. There's actually um, a diagnosis called mom's thumb. That's specifically, <laughs> that's literally what it's called. It's specifically from picking up kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a pain like down the down the middle side of your thumb from mm. picking up kids and it's from that repetitive activity. And so if you have something where you start to notice that something like that is bothering you, then feel free to try to change up how you're doing it. Um, so a lot of times it can be as simple as something like turning your baby around the other way in the bassinet so that you pick them up like facing a different way. Mm. Um, It could be as simple as um, putting a pillow in your rocking chair so that your back has more support while you're rocking them to nurse. It could be um, something like, okay, maybe you put a step stool in their room in front of their crib. So you're not bending over so far to get them when they're on that low setting, when they start to stand up and try to climb out of the crib. <laughs> you know, little things like that can make a big difference in terms of your body mechanics and how you're how you're moving and how you're lifting. Um, if you do have something that pops up like that where you're noticing that like you have a pain that's kind of not going away or that's, you know, that's weird and consistent, um, definitely I would recommend like reaching out to your doctor, reaching out either to your OBGYN or to your primary care doctor, depending on how long it's been since you had baby and just saying, Hey, I'm noticing such and such, um, you know, do you have any ideas for me? And a lot of times they can say, Oh, that's, you know, that's really normal or, Oh, that mm-hmm. doesn't sound like, you know, that doesn't sound like something that I would expect. Um, and then you can also say like, hey, I feel like X, Y, Z is happening because of how I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Like any strategies for me, any other things that I can try? Do you think physical therapy would help? Um, or do you, you know, do you think I need to exercise this differently? A lot of times um, doctors can help kind of point you in the right direction with that. Um, and in some cases, it's the kind of thing where just a little bit of changing how you're doing it will Mm -hmm. help alleviate that pain. And in some cases, it's the kind of thing where you're going to want to, you know, have a medical professional help you intervene. Um, And obviously I'm going to always vouch for the physical therapist being a good (laughs) one to help, because if you have anything like that, where it's like a repetitive use sort of thing, um, they can help analyze how you're doing it and Mm -hmm. help you determine either okay, like let's change up this environment so that we're not using your muscle in the same way or, hey, well, your wrist is really weak because you're not using your shoulders at all. And so maybe we strengthen your shoulders so your wrist doesn't have to do as much of the work. And, you know, Mm -hmm. those are the kind of things that I can't sit here on a podcast and be like, oh, well, that's always (laughs) what's wrong with you doing it that way because I can't see, you know, how each of you are are moving. But um that's the kind of thing where I definitely, my, my advice to friends is always, you know, Hey, check in with your doctor about that. See if PT might help. Um, Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times it's cheaper and easier to go see a PT for a couple months than it is to end up needing surgery a couple years down the road because you've Mm -hmm. overdone it too much. Yeah, definitely. Definitely would pay off in the long run. And I'm just so grateful, you know, it just so happened. Like I had, it started to have that pain and I had a conversation with a friend about it and she was like, I had the same thing. And she had twins. So this was like multiple, like double trouble, um, double, um, pressure on her hands. 
And she had said, you know what, someone recommended to me to just like what you said, to just change up the position of how I was picking up my kids. And I never really thought about it. I think a lot of these things we do without thinking. Um, and so that really did help me. Like instead of turning or bending or rotating or whatever my wrist, I kept it, them straight. I kept my forearm straight and lifted him up. And I was like, okay, I, it still hurt, you know, at first. But I was like, I feel like this is it. And eventually it went away. But it's like, I feel like with caring with our kids, it's so emotional like we have this unique physical role with our kids most of the time. And it was really hard to have that pain and be like, what if I can't pick him up? Like, what if someone else is going to have to pick him up or I'm going to have to cut my time in half? It like tears your heart apart. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely one of the things I think that's unique to mamahood, especially is that we have this sort of we heap on ourselves a lot of this mom guilt of like oh I have to be the one to like always meet a hundred percent of my child's needs and if I can't do that then they're gonna you know they're gonna lose out in some way um and one of the things that I've learned over the last six years of being a mama is that like that's true to a certain extent in terms of you know yes there are some things that my child needs from me that that only I can give them but there's also a lot to be said for me making sure that I am a whole healthy mama mm-hmm. and taking care of our bodies is like key step one for doing mm-hmm. that um and that can be through exercise that can be through what we eat that can be through making mm-hmm. sure that we're getting good rest and adequate sleep. And I know telling that to a room full of mamas is like my 18 month old still doesn't sleep through the night. So, <laughs> you know, we, we, I can say that all day long, but, but having those, um, you know, taking care of ourselves and taking time, like, even if it's hard, taking time away from our babies to take care of ourselves and to make sure that we have, that we have the strength to keep taking care of them. And I don't just mean like that our muscles are strong enough, but that we have, Mm -hmm. that we've done things that fill and feed our soul, that we've spent time with the Lord, that we've been plugged into community because a lot of times that community gives us the chance to be able to take care of our kids better or is able to help come alongside us and take care Mm -hmm. of our kids with us so that we don't burn out and so that we don't, you know, feel, you know, as extinguished at the end of every day. You know, having having that that support from other people makes such a big difference in, you know, being able to to mama well and and taking care of our bodies, yes, is partially physical, but it's also, you know, taking care of our souls and our spirits and making mm-hmm. sure that we're, you know, that we're plugged into the word and that we're plugged into community that can encourage us and support us and and keep us growing you know that those things make a huge difference too mm-hmm. strength on all fronts yeah for sure are there any specific like resources or products or websites that you like to use or suggest so one of the things that I have found to be super super helpful is especially in younger baby years is to make sure that you have good support while you're nursing. Mm. And I know everybody, um, this isn't going to apply to everybody because I know everybody's not a nursing mama, but um, one of the things that like absolutely blew my mind when I was my oldest, when I was first learning to nurse him was this idea of like building up what he was laying on instead of like, bending myself (laughs) over to get to him Mm -hmm. Um, and realizing the difference that that made in the level of back pain I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. Um, So just like setting up your environment well. So boppy pillows are great for that. I know some people love, um, there's another brand of them, my breast friend maybe um, that makes Mm -hmm. like a a different shape one. Um, But anything like that where you can kind of get baby up to you rather than hunching over, at least until they're old enough to figure out how to nurse in any position. Mm -hmm. Um, then they turn into acrobats and it doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) But just, you know, giving yourself that support um, is huge. Um, And then 
other than that, it really depends on how, how you sleep. Um, Mm. so if you are a side or back sleeper, finding a pillow that has good ergonomic support is really helpful. Um, if you, you know, if you are on a really firm pillow and you sleep on your side or your back, um, it might get a little bit uncomfortable. If you are a stomach sleeper, I don't have any recommendations for you because I've never slept on my stomach in my life and I have no (laughs) idea what to do with that. Um, but if you're a side or a back sleeper, you know, getting something that really kind of supports your neck is really helpful. Um, I also am a huge fan of, um, like massage rollers um Mm. they make like they're they're like a typical like fitness equipment um but i'm a i'm a big fan of massage rollers um and there's also something it's called a theracane um if you're having any back pain at all go look it up on amazon thera like the first part of therapy and then cane like what an old person would walk with i was Um, gonna say please spell that (laughs) <laughs> yes, I will. And I can, I'll send you one when we're done. So you can put yeah. it in the show notes. But there's a, um, it's essentially like shaped like a letter J and then has like a cross piece across it. So you can hold it and like get leverage to essentially like work out knots in your own back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty miraculous piece of, <laughs> piece of equipment, piece of engineering. Somebody is probably making tons of money off of coming up with this thing. Um, but it's one of my favorite tools for like just working out kinks and knots in your back, which is like a lifetime thing when you have kids. Um, so that's one of my favorite things. And then otherwise, I just love having fun when I get moving. So getting your kids involved in movement is great. Um, I'm a really big fan of Cosmic Kids Yoga on YouTube. Um, Mm. my kiddos did a ton of that during the COVID shutdown as well. Um, it's definitely kid oriented, but I did it with my kids when we were all home during the height of the pandemic. Um, and it was a Mm -hmm. good workout for me too. Um, so that's a fun way to get your kids involved in some movement and get you moving at home too. Um, so that's one of my favorite sort of kid friendly resources. Nice. I have to ask, I don't know if you know off the top of your head, but I remember, I think maybe for William's baby registry, like I remember looking through and being like, ooh, what baby carrier did you put on there? <laughs> like, ooh, I want to yes. know what the PT chose yep. for you and the baby. So, yeah, so my favorite baby carrier is a Leal baby baby carrier because it has um, a lumbar support for mama or dad my husband carries in our baby carriers all the time too um but it has a lumbar support so it really gives you just a good distribution of weight I really like where the waist strap sits um mm-hmm. it sits in a good spot to put the load on your hips rather than carrying all of the weight of baby on your shoulders it really distributes the weight across your hips really well um and it keeps the baby's hips in a developmentally appropriate position um, which is really good and it has um, an option to carry baby facing you, but it also has an option where you can like undo and redo some straps so you can carry the baby facing out in the same carrier, which I think is awesome and has really allowed for us to use the same carrier um, from, you know, newborn baby stage. They have to be seven pounds to go in the Leo baby. Um, all my babies were over seven pounds. I know people have <laughs> babies smaller than that. Um, if you have a smaller baby or even just for the newborn stage, um, my favorite soft wrap is called the Baby Catan, and it's Baby K apostrophe T-A-N. Um, and that is my absolute favorite for the younger baby age because it's so easy to put on. Like, <laughs> so easy. It's literally, it's two loops of fabric that are connected by a loop. And so you can put it on in like, less than 30 seconds and be like (laughs) done and ready to walk um the wheel baby is what's considered like a soft structured carrier so it's 
soft but still has like buckles and straps that you can adjust um, which is really nice because it allows for like people of different sizes to carry in it the baby katans are sized like t-shirt sizes so you have to get one where the loops will fit your body nice those are super helpful thank you for sharing all that this was so great oh my gosh thank you so much for sharing um yeah of course that's so fun I have some friends who are PTs and just, you know, heard about PT in general and like chiropractic and stuff, but it's so cool to hear what it looks like um, as a student, you know, coming up through that field and then developing your career and how it looks right now. Um, That was really cool to hear and how that plays into your family life and your family culture um, and just helps you and your family just be better supported, better supportive of your bodies and, you know, supporting each other in fitness and things like that. It's been a wild ride for sure, but a fun one. Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. Mamas, I am so glad you joined us for this episode. If you tuned in today, this is such a great one to bookmark, save, share, like, you know, listen to later, um, maybe take notes um, for the specific strategies and things to think about that Ashley shared. Um, I'll definitely be sharing um, all those awesome resources that she uh, shared with us. It's just a really great conversation to make you think back critically on how we're moving or how we're not moving, um, whether we're around our kids or not, but just trying to be more aware of our bodies and taking care, better care of ourselves and like Ashley mentioned, it's sometimes it's the last thing we feel like we should be doing, taking care of ourselves. But it really is so important to be able to keep going and serving our family as best as we can. So I love that reminder. And I hope you all have a wonderful day. <laughs> we'll see you next time.